When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the Band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 194 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, Rick Wills from Foreigner, I want to remind you about everything you can find online at mistresscarry.com. Not only can you find every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast and every sit rep, but every episode of my weekly video show, Cocktails in the War Room. You can read my blog, keep up with all of the concerts and appearances in New England with the concert calendar, send me a message right here in the studio, and you can get hooked up with Mistress Carrie gear in the online Mistress Carrie store. Find all of that and more at mistresscarry.com. Last week, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced the nominations for induction into the class of 2024. Fan voting is open through April 26th. The list of nominees includes Eric B. and Rakim, Oasis, Mary J. Blige, Cool and the Gang, Jane's Addiction, Cher, Ozzy Osbourne, Peter Frampton, A Tribe Called Quest, Mariah Carey, Sinead O'Connor, Sade, The Dave Matthews Band, Lenny Kravitz, and Foreigner. So when I got the chance to talk to Rick Wills, the bass player from Foreigner, about what the nomination meant and the possibility of induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I couldn't pass it up. He is a member of Rock and Roll Royalty, not only as a member of Foreigner, but Cochise, Bad Company, and so many other bands and projects. He is a living legend, and I was so excited to talk to him. So allow me to introduce you to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominee, Rick Wills from Foreigner. Hello. Oh, my God, Hello, Rick. It's Ms. so Kelly. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. It's good to be here. You must be so busy right now. I have rather a lot on my plate, as they say. <laughs> Congratulations, first and foremost, for getting nominated for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 
Thank you very much. We're very thrilled to have been finally included after waiting over 20 years for this honor. And we are very excited about this whole opportunity, you know. So we're asking all our fans out there and everyone else to vote for us if they can. I put the link in the show notes of this episode so people can vote. Okay, yeah, it's vote.rockhall.com. Yep. And we would really appreciate everyone voting for us as much as possible. The qualification for induction is, first of all, 25 years from the date of your first release, which Foreigner has long since surpassed. When I talked to Alice Cooper, who got inducted years ago and is someone who votes for the nominations, when I asked him what qualifies for him, he said it doesn't necessarily have to be album sales, but, but influence on music, that music is different because that artist existed. Yeah, I think that's a very good point, actually. I think he's right because, you know, what we set out to do, well, Mick and Lou especially from day one, was to write good songs that lasted, and they have. I mean, they've really lasted the, the time over the years. I mean, 40 years ago when I joined the band in 79, I couldn't. I couldn't ever imagine that today I'd still be sitting here talking to you about Foreigner, and it would still be meaningful because the music has lasted that long. It's it's really amazing for us to see that the current band that's out on the road, who we love to get out and play with from time to time. Obviously, we're rather late in our years now, some of us, <laughs> and don't really like the travelling so much as we used to. But um, we still enjoy it very much. And, you know, I mean, each one of us has had our various little issues over the years with health and stuff. Mick, Lou especially have had issues. And really, Al and I are about the only two these days that get out and do shows with the band. And it's a real pleasure because those guys are so good and they do such a good job of representing Foreigner in every way that they should. And they know that they've got a, you know, a good catalogue of music to choose from to play for the shows and the crowds have been amazing. I mean, they're selling out show after show after show. It's exciting still. Foreigner 4 was one of the first albums that I saved up with my own money to buy when I was a kid. I was I was a very early music adopter when I was really, really little because my parents introduced me to rock music in the house. And I just remember looking at that album cover and you know, you guys had some of the best hair in music back then, too. <laughs> some of us still have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it kind of thins out a little bit as you get older. But, um, you know, when we started that album, we had cut the band down to four members instead of six. Al and uh, Ian were um, let go, shall we say, which I thought was rather unfortunate as I didn't really have much to do with that. It was down to Mick and Lou making a, a decision about where they were going to go with the next album because Head Games, although it had been successful, it wasn't as successful as we'd hoped. And I think that was partly to do with the album cover of the girl being in the Gentry Rhino. That didn't go down too well with some of the people who stacked these albums in record shops and stuff and they thought it was a bit... Uh, risque, shall we say. 
Whereas we thought it was good fun, actually, because it, it sort of added it all up, the idea of head games. You it's know. rock and roll. Come on. It's rock and roll. That's right. But um, I still I still love listening to that record personally, because for me, that was my first. And I still remember it so vividly, recording in New York on Broadway at the Atlantic Studios. And the first thing I ever did cut was a, a track called Dirty White Boy. And uh, it just went on from there because the band chose me, I think, because they wanted to beef up the rhythm section and had more of a bottom line to it, more basically. That's how I like to play. That's how the sound I like. Whereas Ed previously had had a more trebly, shall we say, Rickenbacker type sound in the band. And I, I think they wanted it to be, you know, just stronger. And we certainly achieved that with Roy Thomas Baker producing because he really pumped up the drums and bass on that album. It was good. I was amazed when I was looking into your career to prepare for this interview that Foreigner has 10 multi-platinum albums, more hit songs than Journey, and rivals Fleetwood Mac. When you talk about qualifications for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... It doesn't get any better than that. Well, thank you so much for telling everyone because that's what we've already known and we've known for a long time that's where we are. But, you know, you just can't go around boasting about things like that because both bands, Journey and Fleetwood Mac, are great bands in their own right. We're just happy to be part of that genre of what, what we do has been recognized as you know, ready to be put in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, providing everyone votes for us. And we need the votes. We really do. Peter Frampton, who I used to play with, as you know, um, he's he's ahead of us by about a thousand votes at the moment. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> <laughs> but good luck to him. I, I mean, Peter and I are still good friends. And I, I really hope on the day, that we get inducted, that we'll both be there on the night to do the show together, along with Ozzy, because, I mean, Ozzy's a great guy. He's a character who I've met a few times, and, you know, he's got a lot of fans because of the way he is, and he deserves to be up there as well. So there's quite a few other people. But at the moment, there's a, we are the top three. There's Ozzy, Fabson, and Foreigner, and I'm very proud to both play with both bands, you know. Obviously, very happy. You've played with a lot of amazing artists over the years. You obviously mentioned Frampton. You've played with David Gilmore. You played with the Small Faces. Played with Bad Company. The yeah. amount of music you've created in your career. Um, where's the weirdest place you've bumped into your music? Supermarket, well, elevators. There's got to be a really strange place. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it is strange when you hear our music sometimes because it's still a thrill to do that. I mean, one of the most strangest things I've done in my career was that I got asked to play with Leonard Skinner, of all bands, who I knew I knew very well from Bad Company playing with them on, on tour. And I, I was very surprised when the bass player went into rehab because he had a bit of a problem, shall we say, and they called me and said, Rick, would you come and help us out while he's away. And I did for about six, eight weeks. I did with Linus Skinner. And 
I must admit, I felt a bit like a fish out of water because those they're southern boys, you know, I and mean, they really do know how to do the southern thing. Whereas I'm not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than Englishman, you know. So um, yeah, it was fun though. It was great. The guys, the guys in the band are great. I mean, they're they're pretty crazy, but uh, it was it was a good thing to do. But I have to say, when it came to an end and Leon came back to the band. I was very happy to come home as well. <laughs> it's just the way it is. But, yeah, it's been an exciting life for me. I mean, I've had 50-odd years of playing in bands, starting out really from Cambridge in England, where David Gilmore and I grew up, very much in the same area of Cambridge. David was in a local band and I was. We were both very competitive. I could see exactly where things were going with David because, A, not only was he a great guitar player, he was also a very good-looking guy. The girls really liked him, and so did a lot of other people. <laughs> so when he got the opportunity by a guy called Jonathan King, who had had a massive hit in England with Everyone's Gone to the Moon, he was at college at Cambridge at the time. He used to take, keep his eye on Dave at the local shows and said, I really want to take you to London to meet a couple of friends who happened to be Brian Epstein, Beatles manager and Andrew Oldham, Stones manager. And they took a liking to David too. They said, look, we think we could do something with you, but we want you to form your own band and go away to abroad and get it together, as they say, you know. And that's what happened. He came back to Cambridge and we met up in a pub. And he said, Rick, would you be interested in moving to London with me and forming this band with Willie Wilson on drums? I said, Dave, I couldn't be happier to be help, helping you out because, you know, we'd done the Cambridge thing already. We we were well-known in Cambridge as the local guys. So to go to London and start out again and move on and go sent to Spain, we were sent to Spain in 66, this was 1966. It was a pretty big deal in those days to do that because we had to take our equipment on the train with us to go first from England to France through France to Spain, and then right across Spain down to Marbella in the south. That was a hell of a trip. And meanwhile, when we got to France, our equipment somehow got misplaced from us. We went on to Paris, and there was no equipment. We didn't know where it was. So it was a bit, yeah, a bit scary at first, but we made it through. And I'm so proud. You bring up Brian Epstein. Last week was the 60th anniversary of the Beatles playing that iconic show on Ed Sullivan that changed everything. Is it even yeah. possible to measure the influence on rock and roll that that no. moment and the Beatles had in general? I mean, they just were a phenomenon from the day one. I mean, the first time I heard Love Me Do on the radio, I thought, wow, that's so different and so good. And the way they looked with the hair, the way they had the presence, they had the humor, they were funny. They were, you know, they were articulate. They were, just had everything. The talent was there. I mean, for me, Paul McCartney stands out as being the most incredible all-round performer in my lifetime, I think. He's just a, he's such a genius at what he does. And he's still doing it in his 80s. He plays three-hour shows. That's amazing, I think. Fellow bass and, player as well. Yes. Well, I mean, he, I mean, I love the way he plays bass, by the way. I really do admire him. He and John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin are probably my two favorite rock sort of drummers, uh, bass players, rather. 
you know, along with John Bonham, unfortunately, who is not with us anymore, was my favorite rock drummer because I just couldn't believe what noise he could make. And he sat in with us a couple of times when I was in a band called Cochise. And God, it was hard to keep up with him. He was a powerhouse drummer. There's no doubt about it. Some of I've never seen another drummer quite like it, actually. I don't think but we ever it, will again. No, I don't think so either. I mean, I've had the chance to play with people like Keith Moon, Kenny Jones, all, all these great drummers. But, uh, you know, John Bonham was in a class of his own. I really think so. I read a quote from Getty Lee who said, nobody intends to be a bass player. They start out as a guitar player and you get in a band and then you get voted in. Is that what happened to you? Yeah, I was the guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> I used to play rhythm. I was okay as a rhythm guitarist, but I knew I would never be a lead guitarist because I just wasn't thinking like that. And I took a liking to the bass. I really loved the way the bass sounded and how it looked. I think it's a cool instrument. And I took it up. And I, you know, the, the band said, look, I think it's a good choice for you to play bass now. And I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the challenge. All the bands I've been in was a challenge, you know, with all the different forms and styles you have to learn. But uh, I think I made the right choice. It's got me through life. <laughs> it's doing okay. You've jumped up on stage with Foreigner a couple of times in New England. I heard a rumor you moved to New Hampshire. Is that true? Are you a fellow I have New a house Englander? In New Hampshire. Yes, I do. Yes, I'm up close to where you guys are. I spent six months of my year in in New Hampshire because I don't like the summers here in Florida. I'm in Florida now for, I'm a snowbird, let's call it that, you know. It's damn cold up in <laughs> New England right now, that's for sure. But um, I'm very fortunate. You know, life has been very kind to me and I can afford to have a home here and a home there. And my wife and I are very happy to be able to do that. And as our life gets, you know, more rounded and this thing with the rock and roll hall of fame has really really given us a buzz because we never thought it was going to happen we kind of gave up on the idea but it did and we were so happy to see that our name had been added that we thought well we've got to do something about this and my press lady vanessa thank you she said rick you're going to get a lot of requests for interviews for this. I said, that's fine by me. I mean, <laughs> I, I like doing it. So here I am, you know, just enjoying my life. One of the things I always ask people when they come on the show, this is a songwriting question. Can you give me an example of a song by any artist, any genre that you think is a perfect example of the craft of songwriting? A song that you think is perfectly written and tell me why. Well, I would like to say one of the Beatles songs I absolutely adore is We Can Work It Out, the B-side. And I thought that was the most perfect song when I heard it. It's just the way McCartney sings it and the whole structure of the song itself is perfect to my ear. You know, it's not everybody's cup of tea, but at the same time, I also think some of the songs that Mick and Lou wrote for Foreigner for instance, Waiting for a Girl Like You, I think is pretty much the perfect song as a ballad you can get. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I know I, I want to know what love is. was huge. But when they played me the first idea of Waiting for a Girl Like You, I just thought, if, well, if that's not number one, I said, I don't know what is. 
and it got to number two because Olivia Newton-John held us off with a song called Physical. And God bless her, you know, she's a great artist, as we all know. But we thought, well, one day we've got to get that number one spot. And I want to know what love did that for us. You know, that was there. So we're very happy with our careers. I mean, we've had, I think it's 16 top 20, 30 songs in charts, which is very good. I mean, it's a pretty damn good record, that. And obviously, all of us, Mick, Lou, Dennis, Al, myself, we're all very proud of the fact that we've been part of Foreign. You are up for induction. The fan voting is open now. When you get the call, which I am confident you will, you've got then the pressure of who to thank and how to give that speech in front of the entire rock world because you only get one crack at it. Well, I'm sure we'll come up with something. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way we are. You know, because we're, we're all pretty capable of talking, you know, on radio or doing interviews with magazines, papers and whatever. So I think we'll be okay. Obviously, we're going to have to think about it and work on it, what we say, what we do. But I'm looking forward to the opportunity to perform again with Mick, Lou, Dennis, Al, myself, and see how it goes, because I think it'll be a very special night for us if we get inducted, if. The Sticks and Foreigner Renegades and Jukebox Heroes Tour is going to roll through the Xfinity Center in Mansfield, Massachusetts this summer. You should be in New Hampshire by then. I am holding out hope you're going to make the ride to Massachusetts and jump up on stage with the band. I might just do that. Yeah! I mean, I usually do, I usually do the show in New Hampshire in Guilford, um, the Bank of New you know, Hampshire the, Pavilion. The, yeah, yeah. I love doing that because it's such a lovely venue as well. You know, so I, I kind of pick and choose what I do. I'm going to do one here in Florida next month uh, in St. Augustine, which is, you know, for me, a drive of about four hours from where I live. But that's okay because, again, the guys in the band now are so respectful and very loving, very kind to us when we turn up. It's a pleasure. It really is to be there and perform at the end of the show with them. Jeff Pilson doesn't get upset when you nudge him out of the way and go, look out, kid, I'm coming no, in. Oh, Jeff's a great guy. He's <laughs> lovely. I mean, he's he's done such a great job of being musical director for the band. And he cares passionately about how well they played the songs. I mean, we talk about it off stage. You know, he says, I hope I got that right, Rick, and I hope I got your notes right. I said, Jeff, you're doing just fine, baby. You're really doing fine, <laughs> as they all are. Kelly Hansen is the most incredible front man. I mean, he really is. He's so good at it, and he involves the audience so well in the nicest possible way. So, uh, yeah, it's good. Well, congratulations. Nomination for induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a huge accomplishment and a long time coming and very well-deserved. Well, thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Carrie. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Bye-bye now. There he is, Rick Wills from Foreigner, or should I say Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nominee, Rick Wills from Foreigner. If you check the show notes of this episode, there's a link for you to vote for Foreigner and all of the other nominees that you think should get inducted as part of the class of 2024. You'll also find a link for all of the Sticks and Foreigner Renegades and Jukebox Hero dates in New England this August. You'll find all of Foreigner's links and the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. 
I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that features all of my guest music and all the artists and songs that we referenced in the interview. You'll find all the Mistress Carrie links too. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit rep with all of your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates, and you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. Join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram from my weekly video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And of course, you can always find me on the radio. Get the details on all that and more at mistresscarry.com. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.